0: Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in
1: the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome
0: to Life in Accounting. If it's a repetitive step that doesn't require thought, you're just taking data from one place and putting it in another, well, that's something you could use robotics for. And that's basically what we've done is is analyze all our processes that we do, all the steps, and say, okay, what can be done? What's being repetitive doesn't require thought, and I can just tell a computer, I send basically an email to my robot and say, you do this, and then it does it, and when it's finished, it lets me know.
2: Hello,
1: everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA, and your host for Life and Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from our guest for this episode, Stuart Goodson, an executive director with Ernst & Young. I invited Stuart on the show because I knew he had had a successful career with EY, but I had no idea initially that he was a part of another initiative there at EY, their Robotics Process Automation Initiative, or robotics for short. So as we usually do, we discuss his career and how that's progressed, And I must say, Stuart has some really good general career advice for those of you that are just starting in accounting or looking to grow your career in accounting. However, given that he's so involved with their robotics work there at EY, we obviously spent a lot of time discussing that effort. After all, it's going to play an ever-increasing role in our profession, so it's definitely a worthwhile subject. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And actually, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Alex, one of our listeners. Right prior to recording this, Alex and I had a conversation. He was very generous with feedback on the show and, and some ideas moving into the future. So I very much appreciate that. I didn't get your permission to give your last name out on the air, Alex, so I won't do that. But thank you very much for spending that time with me on the phone. If you do enjoy this episode, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share the show with a friend. You can find us through any podcast app on your phone or online at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. That's whereaccountantsgo.com. Let's get started. Here's Stuart Goodson, Executive Director with
2: EY. Hello, Stuart. Well, thank you for taking the time for this interview. I know it's going to be an interesting discussion.
0: Well, hello to you, Mark, and uh, I'll try and make it as interesting as I can for the audience.
2: <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, for the audience... We have Stuart Goodson on the line, and I wanted to get Stuart on the show initially because he's had a very successful career with EY, and I wanted to talk about that, of course, for the program. But when we got started talking initially to line this up, I found out he's a part of a very special initiative there at EY in the robotics area. So I knew somehow, if at all possible, we had to get this scheduled. That's an area that we've touched on a little bit on the program in previous episodes, but never really in much depth other than to talk about, you know, it's the way of the future. So this is going to be very special. Stuart, before we get into that portion, though, I think it's always important for the audience to understand sort of how your career started and has progressed along the way. So they understand how you got from where you were to to where you are now. How did you initially decide to pursue accounting as a possible career in the first place?
0: Sure. uh, It was back in high school. I took an accounting course. I knew I wanted to be in business and uh, we had an accounting elective. So I took it and I knew after my first day, that's where my career in business would take me in the accounting field. Didn't know much about the profession at the time, but I just knew I enjoyed what I was learning.
2: Okay. Okay. The standard bookkeeping class that they used to offer in high school, huh?
0: Yeah, and I guess to let the audience where I've been at EY 34 years, so you know, you got to think about when I was taking this class, right? It was 1979,
2: 1980. <laughs> so, wow, 34 years, that's a long time. Yep. So you were an accounting major from the beginning in college then?
0: Yes, I was. Yeah, I grew up in the northwest corner of San Antonio. Uh, and uh, UTSA was right around the corner from where I lived, so that's where I went. And, yeah, I knew I was doing accounting, so I planned my courses and accordingly.
2: Okay. Did you go straight through school four years at the time?
0: Yeah, I had four years, a couple summers. I worked 40 hours a week, went to school full-time as well. So it was, it was fun, but, uh, you know, back then it was – UTSA was uh, more of a commuter campus. Uh, It didn't have a huge enrollment like it does today. Today, it's more of a traditional school, but it still has a lot of people because of the military presence in San Antonio that attend there quite a bit to get degrees or second degrees.
2: Okay. And was EY your first job out of college?
0: Yes, it was. I've been there ever since I graduated.
2: Wonderful. Now, you work... I know you are involved in tax. Did you start in tax initially? Yeah,
0: back then, uh, you could start with just your BBA in tax. The mm-hmm. the hours that were required, you could still do with the BBA. And like today, you have to do the five-year master's program to get enough accounting hours. But back then, they would hire us with just the BBA.
2: Okay. Well, 34 years is a long time. Walk us through sort of how your career has progressed, starting from that staff tax position, I guess, to, to where you are yeah. now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in college, you know, I took auditing, I took tax and every time we, I do a lot of recruiting and we always ask the students, you know, you have to choose between an audit internship or a tax internship. And a lot of them, which is understandable, they scratch their heads and they don't really know. But <laughs> I, I just knew somewhere back in high school when I took accounting, When I took my first tax class, I could see myself doing this, consulting with people, advising them on tax rules. And so I knew once I took tax, that's where I wanted to go. So I interviewed for tax positions at the – back then, I think we had – it was during the Big Eight that there – I think we had six of them in San Antonio at the time, five or six of them. And interviewed with them and ended up at EY because I just liked the people I met and the culture that was there.
2: Okay. Did you sort of take the – Typical route of staff to senior to
0: super. Yeah, yeah. So, I uh, when I was in college, the tax I really liked was the individual tax. And uh, the EY office was really a, a tax firm that did some auditing. We had a lot of tax clients, a lot of private clients, you know, local private businesses. And that was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. So, you got to work with the client, you got to work with them on their company. And then from the company, the majority of them were flow through. So you got to work with them under 1040 to see how it all worked out. And so I just started learning more about the individuals and the taxes around that individual. So I learned about fiduciary taxation. I learned about estate taxation. So I just started working with clients, advising them on estate and gifting uh, type of entity to set up when they were setting up an entity, whether it be a partnership or an S-Corp. So then I you know, was a staff and, and a senior, and then a manager, you know, and eventually to where I am today, an executive director. Uh, but I've done a lot of things. The one thing I did do early on was when computers were first coming in, into the scene, I uh, decided these are going to be some, a tool we're going to use. Got to learn how to use them. Really didn't use the personal computer in college. So I set a path to be the technology champion for tax for two reasons. One, I could always get the latest on technology. And two, I'd always have the best PC. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) that worked out well. The new toy would come out and I would get it and somebody else would get the old one. And actually one year, the firm decided to put in a network and I had led the tax department. We got a blueprint from National And, you know, I wasn't raised as a computer programmer or anything, but I knew how to ask the right questions. And that's what I did. And at the time, our audit department used Macs and we used PCs. And I was like, well, how do we communicate? This was the early age of PCs and the internet and email and saving a file on a Mac. You couldn't pop it into the floppy disk into your PC and read it. And like, okay, how to exchange information and... So, we designed the network from the basic blueprint that National provided, but then we made some changes to it to make it more efficient. And then, when they came down the grade our network, they looked at it and said, Hmm, this is better than what we have. <laughs> we go, Yeah, well, it's because it's designed by people that are in the field. So, something I've always tried to, re- to remember and do in, in my career is remember what we do when we're down in the down doing the dirty work, just what it takes to get it done so that we don't come up with policies or processes that don't make sense to the people that are actually doing all the hard work.
2: Okay. How long have you been in the executive director role now?
0: Since uh, October of 2000.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Quite a while.
0: Yes, yeah, so I guess that's half my career now, isn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Still good at math. I not thought about that. <laughs> So tell us about the robotics initiative. How how did you get involved, and how long has that been going on with EY?
0: Yeah, so it's probably you know it's probably been going on in some form or fashion for about three years. Started first with uh, just data analytics and people trying to understand. Analytics, and every time I listened to somebody talk about it, I really never understood what they were talking about. So they they really couldn't communicate what they were trying to do very well. And I understood the need for the analytics, you know, because we have tons of data, right? Mm-hmm. Whether we're doing an audit or we're doing a tax return, there's a ton of data there with a client, and so that's probably when it first started was how can we get the data and analyze it and do something with it, and then as Some of the robotics, when you talk about what we do in robotics, it's not like where you see at the Ford assembly plant where robotics are putting cars together. Ours is really just software programs. We use two different ones. One's called Blue Prism and one's called Automation Anywhere. And they're really just software programs that you write to do certain steps. And so once I understood that, I was asked... Oh, we're going to do a feasibility study of our private client services, and you're going to head it up. And I'm like, okay, but what do I have to do? Well, I soon learned I was spending morning and nights on the phone with our team in India to discuss all our processes of what we do when we prepare a tax return. And we had already started using a third-party vendor software that would scan PDFs and pick up the images and take those images and put them into work papers and actually into the attack software. So I knew a little bit about automation. And so then it was learning more, okay, here's what, here's how we go from A to Z. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, this step, you're just taking data from one set of work papers and put them on another set of work papers. Yes. Well then that's something you can program the software to do. I said, okay, now I get it. If it's a repetitive step, it doesn't require thought and you're just taking data from one place and putting it in another well that's something you could use robotics for and that's basically what we've done is is analyze all our processes that we do all the steps and say okay what can be done what's being repetitive doesn't require thought and i can just tell a computer i send basically an email to my robot and say you do this and then it does it and when it's finished it lets me know and so we're using it more and more for our administrative tasks, like engagement letters, the painstake of anybody in the public county. We we love our clients, but sometimes the management of them, you know, is very uh, non-rewarding <laughs> as for any administrative task. And so the more we can automate and get a robot to do, the better it is. So it's just okay. a matter of having a where can they get the data, what's the process, and then what's the output. Hmm.
2: How much of your time is spent in the development of these processes today versus working with clients on their taxes? Oh,
0: you know, it, it's, it, it's sad. I was talking with my boss doing my annual review, and he wrote down, let's well, see, so you do this, 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 this. You know, he just wrote down a list. And he's like, oh, that's quite a bit. You wear a lot of hats. I'm like, yep. So it explains my overtime percentage. Uh, <laughs> but I... I probably spend a quarter of my time on robotics, probably more, at least a quarter, maybe more. But I enjoy it every time I get into a meeting with the programmers and vendors that we're doing robotics with, I always tell them, I'm not a technologist, I'm not a computer programmer, I'm a tax guy, but I understand what we want, and I'm just going to ask you questions, you can tell me whether we can be done or not, and that's how I approach it, and we've gone from using robots to what's called using APIs now where the programs talk to each other and ping each other back and forth. And they do the processes versus having a robot doing it, which is a uh, cleaner and easier step to do. So the uh, APIs are application program interface. Of course, I didn't know that two years ago, but I know it now.
2: <laughs> All because you showed an interest in the computer. And the earthquake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: I, I was never one of those that loved like, I loved what Excel could do, but I didn't want to sit there and write all the formulas. Or then when okay. macros came out, you don't really want to learn macros and even pivot tables. Pivot tables are great, but I want somebody else to create the table. I just want to be able to analyze the data that the pivot table can provide. So okay. I've never been one that likes the program, but I do like the benefits of what it can do.
2: What are some of the other processes where robotics are already? being used at EY. What are, I guess, some of the other areas where you've already rolled out?
0: Yeah, so we're doing, so we have internal robotics, which is just some of our internal processes. And then we have external projects that we're helping our clients with. And so like in our sales and use tax, think about when you're doing some sales and use tax with your clients, there's a ton of data you're looking at. And so just be able to scan those documents and pick out the data you need and put it in a spreadsheet and get the results you want. That's one of the first things that we looked at with some of the things we did with our clients. I know we've worked with them on their accounts payable because, you know, invoices come in and they got to go through certain steps. But if you can use a robot to move it along those steps, it's going to help. So I've mainly been on the internal EY side, our internal processes. I've not been on any external. And especially since I'm in private client services, you know, I could say a lot of our clients are individuals so that... They really don't have a lot of need for it in their lives now. Their companies may, and obviously we help them. But that—that's where our advisory teams come in and work together with our tax team or our audit team in developing robotic processes for our clients.
2: Okay, what's coming down the line in terms of other processes you guys are planning on automating?
0: Well, I think the—the the big thing. I'm not involved, but our assurance practice. So we think of our audit, our auditors, and I think you're going to see a big difference there when it comes to auditing because you know they're able to analyze the data get the data and get it all looked at so if you think about a gl and how many transactions it has and if, you know anybody who's been to an auditing class and that's one thing i'm proud i've never had to do is audit <laughs> i've worked on tax revisions but i've really never had to audit we don't look at a huge number of transactions right because you do your statistical sampling with well nowadays with Computers and with data analytics, you could actually go in and look for outliers now. So we get robots that can go in and grab all the data and look for certain things, and, and then they can push out outliers, which will help our audit teams understand what they really need to focus on. Okay. So I think that the evolution of that's gonna be pretty cool.
2: You know, if I were a student, actually, if I were a freshman or sophomore in college, mm-hmm. and I had declared accounting as my major. What advice would you have for me? Is there something extra I should be studying? Is there extra skills that I should be getting based on, on your experience of what's coming down the line?
0: Yeah, you're going to want to know something about data analytics and what it is and what it's used for. So a lot of schools have data analytics programs now. UTSA, where I, where I went, has a huge one. And, you know, a lot of kids are going there now. They're going to cybersecurity and data analytics, which is great, but we still need accounting people. So if you can take a couple of courses and understand it, uh, it's going to help your career because you'll come in knowledgeable and you'll understand when your teams are gathering certain data and why they're doing it. You can just be ahead of your higher group and the head of the pack and progress in your career a lot easier.
2: Okay, What certifications or advanced degrees are... Are valued in that group? I would tell you that
0: one thing that is changing from a recruiting standpoint is we're looking the traditional CPA, which I know that I'm talking to the CPA about CPA things, but mm-hmm. you're probably going to see in public accounting, maybe up to 20% of the workforce in public accounting come from STEMs. So science, technology, engineering, math, so you'll probably be looking at somebody when it comes to data analytics and robotics. It could be an engineering degree with, you know, computer science, electrical engineer with a computer science emphasis. It could be just somebody who understands the data analytics. And I wouldn't know what they would call it. I can't remember what UTSA calls there. I think they just have like a master in data analytics. But mm-hmm. you're going to see some, a lot of those folks in working at the CPA offices. But still, there's going to be a, a, there's a strong need for just the traditional CPA, you know, that gets their master's in accounting where you're getting your degree. You know, study some of the pay attention, your computer science classes because you'll need it.
2: Yeah, I went to St. Mary's in San Antonio and, and I know they have a degree plan now where it's heavier on data analytics, but you still get yeah. with the hours necessary to take the CPA exam as well. So, yeah, yeah,
0: I went. I was poor. I had four years to get through college and get a job. I just took what I had to, and then I took, you know, a few courses that that interested me. But, you know, if you have the time, take a few more electives that can obviously enhance your skills when it comes to being in the workforce.
2: Okay. Okay. Any other advice for students or younger, up-and-coming professionals in that respect?
0: And it's not just the book work, right? It's leadership. Leadership's key. So... Be involved with campus activities. If you have to work, you have to work, and that's fine. I mean it's uh, I like students that have a little bit of work experience, have some leadership positions and school organizations. They don't have to be not everybody has to be the president of Beta Alpha Psi. You can be the president of, of some pat you know, if you have a passion and they have that chapter or, you know, whatever you like on campus, then be involved in it. Having good leadership skills is very important. That's if you can be a good leader, teams are going to listen to you. You can get a lot done.
2: Okay, I'm glad to hear you say that because we're talking about technical accounting skills and then robotics and data analytics. But still, we all have to work with people every day. And so, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, college. You know, like I said, my goal was just to get through and get a job, and I didn't have a traditional college experience because one UTSA back then was, like I said, was commuter. We had a basketball team that did fairly well, but still there wasn't a lot to keep you on campus. Nowadays there is, which is great. So, you know, go to college, experience the college life, but be smart about it, especially with social media nowadays because nothing gets you raised. Right. So that's, that's advice I'd give everybody. Be careful what you put on Facebook because recruiters do look. But leadership's important for everybody. Good communication and good leadership. College is there to build you a foundation. Okay, When you get in the workforce, no matter where you go to work, whether it's public, county, industry, wherever, wherever you go to work, you're going to get trained. You're going to get the skills you need to perform your job when you get a job. College is going to give you the foundation so that your mind's open to learning even more, which is great. I mean, I'm still learning now, which is why I like doing what I'm doing. That's why I've been at EY 34 years because I've always said I I want to do the same thing. Although I'm taking care of the same clients, I'm doing it differently. I'm getting new challenges. So it's fun. Hmm.
2: Is there anything you can identify along the way that you did to develop those soft skills, leadership, communication, that kind of thing? Because you've had a great career there at EY and continue to.
0: The firm, you know, had some soft skill training, but a lot of it is just, I guess, just growing up in a family of seven. If you wanted (laughs) something, you had to speak up. (laughs) So. Some of it was uh, my dad was military, and then he worked civil the service out of Kelly, and and he was the bartender. at uh, Whenever the general would host a party, he would be the bartender, and a couple times I was his bar back. Having to talk with the commanding general of Kelly came to me and said, son, make me a, a Martinez. I said, no, that's my dad's service. He said, no, it's yours. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, being put on the spot like that was a challenge, but, it, you know, I did it right, but the, he walked me through it. But, you know, being able to converse with people at any time. I don't know that I had the gift of gab, but I do enjoy talking to people about what's going on in their life, which is why I like what I do at EY being in private clients, because you work with the individuals that are successful. You learn about their family history. You learn about what their children are doing. And so, you know, I've got I'm on generation three of many of my clients now.
2: Wow. I'm sure that has some some fun challenges. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, it does, it does. You hear all the statistics about successful family businesses and what tends to happen and sometimes you see it and sometimes you don't. When you don't, it's great. When you do, it's uh you just okay, let's you know, let's work this out. So
2: Well, before we get to the final questions, um, I I did wanna ask if there again Maybe I'm not a freshman or sophomore, but I'm about to graduate from college and I hear this podcast and I, think, I just think, wow, that is cool. I want to work in the robotics and automation area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how do I position myself outside of the education? Is there anything I can do to to have a better shot at that over the next couple of years?
0: Well, that's a good question. Yeah. So my team of the tax people I use, I just ask for volunteers.
2: Really? And, you know, okay.
0: And yeah. Oh yeah. We put out, I put out emails all the time throughout the U S to our private client leadership and say, Hey, you have some people that want to do, you know, so we've got this user acceptance testing on a on the robotic and I need volunteers. And so I asked for volunteers. And so I've met a lot of young kids with great ideas and that's really how you do it. Just look for the invitation to volunteer and, and do it. And that's how I did it. I mean, I, we were having a, a meeting. I just kept speaking up. And sometimes, you know, the person who asks the most questions is the one that either the one who asks the most questions or the one who complains the most ends up being the one asked to take on the challenge. Right. So I wasn't complaining. But I did ask a lot of questions. I probably had a few complaints about things we were doing. And so then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I need you to do this. <laughs> so, yeah, don't be bashful. If, if you see something, follow the chain of command. You know, don't jump over your, the manager to go to the partner, but talk to them about an idea. And trust me, they're going to take you up to the leadership and say, hey, they got a great idea. How do we do this? And how can we get this implemented? At EY, we have various different avenues for people to present ideas. Annual, we have some. We have challenges where people present their ideas, and the best ideas are chosen and actually funded. We have an innovation fund where we'll fund the idea if it makes sense. And really, that's your best thing. I'm I'm sure we're not the only ones that do that. You know, I can't say for sure, but I'm I'm positive we're not. See what your company has. If you're working at a firm or working a company, just go on and ask around and say, okay, hey, what do we have when it comes to innovation? Do we have innovation challenges? Do we have something with the ideas? The old suggestion box has changed. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not sitting in the lunchroom anymore. It's somewhere on the home page and just read. We get a lot of emails, but, you know, just the ones that come from your company, if you scan through them, you'll find something that, that could be worth your while.
2: Okay. Well, that's good to hear because I, I do think that when we're getting out of college and we've been focused on Getting good grades and a good internship, and as you get into your career, you sort of have the thought, or many people do, that if I do a good job, I'm going to be noticed. And there's some truth to that, but there's a, there's a lot of sharp people, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, it, there there is. That's interesting because I, you know, Horatio Alger, you know, for all those that remember those stories, that was what it was. You know, do your best, you'll get recognized. But it's not always that way. You do, especially in public accounting, more so than industry. I think you really need to toot your own horn, and some people are uncomfortable with it, which I'm one of those. It's not how I was raised, but you hear it from anybody. If you hear the personal coach, you know, if you they talk about building your own internal network, right? It's the same thing. You got you have to have a sponsor. Whether you're in public accounting industry, you have to have somebody that recognizes what you can do. That can tell the people that need to know hey, this person's a superstar. We need to take care of them. This is what they're doing. You need to make sure that that's being communicated. And sometimes you do it yourself because you never know when the bosses come up and say, hey, tell me about that project you were doing. I heard it's really interesting. And then you have your opportunity, you have your soapbox, be uh, able to tell us exactly what you did and why and how it works and why we should do it more.
2: That is good advice. It is. Well, Yeah, we call this life in accounting because I try to make it well-rounded. And we've been talking a lot about your career. You you mentioned that you are involved with uh, charity, Catholic Charities.
0: Yeah, I'm on the board of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of San Antonio. I've been on for a couple of years. I'm actually the treasurer. You know, it always happens if you're a CPA. (laughs) Oh, you're the treasurer, which was the same. I I used to be on the board of uh, Special Olympics Texas. And at first I was the treasurer and then I was the vice chair and the chair and I really enjoyed that. It was a great charity, great well, I'm about kids you can learn from. If you ever go to a Special Olympics event, you can learn from the athletes. They're amazing. And it's the same with Catholic charities. And you know, we have over forty programs in San Antonio and Dark Sides of San Antonio. And we serve a lot of people, you know, hundred thousand people, you know, whether Ooh. it's at the food pantry, whether it's at the Guadalupe Center and just, you know, after school programs for kids, providing legal services, all sorts of different programs, programs for single mothers. So, and, you know, we're always looking for money, but we're always looking for volunteers. Trust me, there's a program that we have that you would probably love to volunteer at. So we get a lot of volunteer hours, but this year we helped a lot with the Hurricane Relief for Harvey we helped with the hurricane in puerto rico we've helped with unfortunately some of the human trafficking we've helped with those families when they were discovered help provide shelter get them clothing get them food i enjoy it it's a it's a worthwhile uh, charity and uh, it's just something i was looking for and it, it came available and I, you know i never regretted my decision to be on the board it's a lot of hard work but it's very rewarding
2: Well, we're obviously going to put some links to to EY's robotics initiatives in the show notes, but we'll definitely put a link to Catholic Charities as well, in case anybody has an interest in volunteering, they can find out more about the programs. Thank you. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, so I wanted to get to the, the final three questions. First one, and usually the easiest, what has been your proudest moment?
0: That's a tough one.
2: <laughs>
0: I could sum it up by saying surviving, right? 34 years.
2: <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> but, I mean, public accounting, it's, you know, when I was a staff years ago, looking at some of the partners and how worn out they were, it wears on you. And, and people ask, well, why do you have your partners retire when they're so young? I said, well, because it's a demanding, stressful job. So, you know, probably, but no, my proudest moment, my proudest moment was probably when. A person that you know I helped hire, bring along, and uh, they've made partner.
2: Yeah, I guess in thirty-four years, yeah, that's bound to. Happen. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah,
0: so that you know that that was one of our proudest moments. Somebody you helped build and be a counselor to, and then they made partners. That was that was great.
2: That is neat. Well, tell us about a mistake you've made and and what you learned from it. Of course, but frankly, uh, man, better.
0: <laughs> uh, you know mistakes. We all make mistakes. We shouldn't be afraid to make mistakes. So you don't learn unless you make mistakes. But, you know, luckily I've never had a major mistake. You know, there was due to our system, sometimes we miss a filing. But, you know, I thought long and hard about that, but I can't think of anything really horrible that I've done. I think the main reason is I've always made sure I'd had the smartest people working under me. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> so okay. having good people on you uh, helps prevent the mistakes.
2: Well, normally I'd fish harder, but thirty-four years at EY, you couldn't have made any that were too major. So <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah, that, yeah, that's
0: no CLM for those that don't know. CLM is a career limiting move. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Well, last question, and then we'll close it down. What has been the best piece of advice that you've ever? received
0: oh wow i've gotten a lot of advice over the years but and, you know the, i think the best one is the one that that i tell people on their first day because that's what was told me is don't be afraid to ask no matter where you're at in your career you're not expected to know everything first your staff even as a partner you're not expected to know everything your client can call you they're not expecting the answer immediately. They they may, they probably know you don't know the answer, but they do know that you know where to go to get the answer. So don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid not to have the answer. You know, you a go. good person is going to know where to go to get the right answer. And asking questions means you want to learn. It means you're looking at something. It means you want to get it right. If you don't ask questions and people are thinking, you don't really care.
2: I hadn't thought of it that way, but that... Yeah. Asking questions shows you care. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It really does. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to schedule this. This has been good. I knew we were going to talk about robotics, but I appreciate that we got into soft skills too. I hadn't thought about that. Sure. And, and that is that is a key area. Definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. The one thing I failed to mention about robotics is the next step is artificial intelligence. Hmm. You can see it with IBM's Watson, but I think Artificial intelligence is the next phase of robotics. Now, what that is, I don't know yet. But basically, it's going to just be learning from everybody's experiences. Put them in a database. What usually happens when this situation occurs, what's the typical outcomes? And that's probably what the next phase of you'll see within the businesses is the use of artificial intelligence, which I know scares people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when you're at 35 or 36 years, we're going to need to do uh, another episode to see where we are at that point. Yeah,
0: i be glad to do that.
2: <laughs> well, thank you again. Well, for our audience, this has been another episode of Life in Accountants, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you have not yet visited our home website, please do so. That's at www.whereaccountsgo.com. You can find links to obviously this episode, but really the show notes for each and every episode. Once again, that's www.whereaccountsgo.com. On that note, Stuart, any final thoughts or words of wisdom for the audience?
0: If you got some people contemplating accounting versus finance, always go accounting because the people that know the numbers and how they work always do better than the people that just do finance. I tell people that all the time. And I love finance people, but I'm an accountant.
2: well thank you again to the audience for joining us we'll see you next week there's more to come